Pastor Ashton. This is actually, you may not be able to read it very well, this is actually from my personal Quicken Finance program, all right? From 10 years ago, it's a record of tithe money I was given to the church I was currently attending and working at called Trinity Church, all right? And, and I was giving $450 a month. So you'll see in the upper part, because that was ten, the tenth of what I was making. I can't remember exactly what I was making, but it worked out to that. I have a two hundred two twenty-five. That was half a month, and I paid the full month four fifty two twenty-five. So you can see I was in a pattern of four fifty a month. The red line, though, it turns from two twenty-five a month. I started paying three twenty-five. So six fifty a month instead of four fifty. And you'll see I have some three twenty-five, some six fifties, and my salary didn't change. And I didn't know this till about five months later. I was tithing too much money. And I remember in August of 2002, I was doing, I was like, I can't figure something. And we weren't, we weren't hard up on money or anything. It was just like, I can't. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why did I start back in March giving $6.50 a month instead of $4.50 to the church. I must have just kind of wrote a number wrong. And then if you have one of these financial programs, it just pops up the same number next time you try to write the check. So I was giving $200 a month more on my tithe for five months. So in my estimation, God owed me $1,000, right? What do you do? If you were me, what would you have done? Just not given for a month and a half to make up the difference. That's why I cut it off. I didn't want you to see what I did. <laughs> what do you do? It was the funniest thing. I actually laughed at myself and I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, God, what? Do I have a credit account? I mean, is that how it works? How does that work? And then, even this week when I was thinking about it, I thought, how sad it is that I was thinking about the least possible thing I could do for God. And if I did more, I kind of felt like he owed me. Right? I mean, I thought it was, when I had that reaction 10, 11 years ago, I guess it was, 10 and a half years ago, was it really a reaction out of wanting to be generous to God? Or was it a reaction out of, well, I did what I was supposed to do, and now I did extra, and I don't know what to do with this now, God. So you owe me, or can I get a break on a couple months? And and what if I was that concerned? What if I had some way to account of all my relationship gives and takes? Would I be that concerned if I felt like I was giving more relationally? Am I that concerned about that? Or am I too concerned about, well, I, I did what I was supposed to do for God and I did enough? And You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's easy to kind of think, well, I did... You know, there's uh, some people in the church I've talked to before, and we talk about, you know, that's actually one of the leaders here. We we're talking about tithing one time. And he said, you know, how do you, yeah, tithing is what God asked for, 10%. But how do you know they may not want more? How do, how do I know that God didn't want that extra money from me and he wanted, I don't know. I don't know what he wanted through that. I don't know if it was just a stupid math error on my part. I don't know. But it does start to get to the heart of the issue of how do we think about money and how does money sometimes become a, for a, like a religious, spiritual pride thing? Because in my case, I think I, think I realized, you know, I was kind, of, I was kind of felt good about giving more. And then I was trying to figure out why God owed me. And it's, it just, it raises all kinds of questions. What we've been doing the next last couple weeks, go to the next slide. We've been talking about the, the, the series has been called Imagine You, Alive, Awake, and Free. 
Imagine you alive and waiting for And the question we've been asking, go to the next slide, is this. What would your life be like if you didn't have to struggle anymore with blank? And we filled it in with other weeks. You might have filled yours in with anxiety or guilt or self-condemnation or depression or anger or lust or all kinds of other things. Last week, I asked you to fill this in. No, no, go, go back one, Ashton. Last week I asked you to fill this in with somebody's name, a person, an issue, a forgiveness issue. And then this week I'm gonna ask you to fill it in and with the word just money. What would your life be like if you didn't have to struggle anymore with money? Finances, bills, paying bills, your salaries, taxes, what would your life be like if money was no longer a source of any degree of anxiety or worry for you? And so I made this next slide. Imagine your life financially alive, financially awake, and financially free. What would that be like if money no longer had the hold on you that it has on you and me and all of us? Because the reality is money has a hold on all of us in, in a variety of different ways. So go to the next one. What we've been talking about, uh, Ashton Galley, this is, the, this is the phrase that we've read every week from Jesus in Luke chapter four, the phrase in which we get the whole idea of alive, awake, and free. All right, read it out loud with me. This was Jesus in the temple in his hometown. It was his turn to read in the temple proceedings in that particular day, but he read this and this, this uh, summarizes in a kind of a laser-focused way what he came to do. So out loud, read this with me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus came for freedom, for recovery, for release, for favor. He came to make us alive, awake, and free. He came to make us alive, awake, and we, we talked last week about forgiveness issues and other issues, all the issues, and next week we're going to talk about kind of habits and addiction issues and just issue issues that keep us from being free, and what does it mean for Jesus to set us free in those things? But today we're going to talk about money, because Jesus talks a lot about money in the rest of this Gospel of Luke, and, and then you think, okay, how does it mean, what does he mean that we're free in those ways? How do we become free? Go to the next slide, because here... The, the reality is the mission of Jesus that he stated is you. And the mission is me. He wants us to become big-hearted people. His mission, the mission of Jesus was not simply to get you into heaven after you die. That was not his mission that he was given by the Father when he came to earth. His mission was not get you in line, get you to behave well, get you to be a moral person, get you to do the right things, get you to go to church every week, get you to get, you know, whatever. That was not his mission. His mission that we just read was, I came to help people become fully alive, free, out of their oppressions, out of their issues, out of, out of the slaveries of their own habits, out of spiritual blindness. I came to help you become fully alive, awake, and free in your spirit. Big-hearted people. That's what he came to do. And his mission then was you. His mission was that you become the kind of person you've always dreamed you could be but never thought you would be. 
So here's the next, go to the next slide. Here's, a, here's some of the things Jesus said we were to, could do. This is all from Luke, all from the Gospel of Luke. And again, is it not a novel idea, and it shouldn't be, that maybe the purpose of Christians and the purpose of church is that we actually learn from one another and from the Bible. We learn how to do the very things Jesus said we could do. Isn't that the ultimate goal of, of, our, of our Christian life? We become the kind of people said, Jesus said we could be. We become the kind of people who naturally, because of the supernatural work of God in our lives, love our enemies, do good to those who hate us. We don't judge others. We forgive others. We repent when God points out sin in our life. We actually can pray and see healing in people's lives. We tithe. We're not afraid. We don't worry. We give to those in need. What if those things describe who you are and that's who you became and you were that in a very natural way? It wasn't something you had to kind of struggle for. There's not a single person here that wouldn't love to be a person that just does that. But this week I want to focus on, go to the next slide, I'm going to focus on just these last three of the last floor, tithing, worrying, and giving. And again, because Jesus talks a lot about money. Go to the next slide. Here's some of the statements. I'm going to go through some of the statements Jesus said about money. Then I'm going to focus on uh, just two or three stories of, the, of Jesus and money, all right? These are just kind of these one-liners that you probably, many of you may have heard in different forms and they show up in different places. This is all from Luke. This is all the words of Jesus. Guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not to have rich relationship with God. He will give you everything he, God, will give you everything you need. Jesus, more than once in the Gospel of Luke, tells somebody who asks him what it means to follow him, and he says, sell your possessions and give those in need. I mean, when Jesus came, said he came to help us become alive, awake, and free, and then the Gospel of Luke is full of money stuff. Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. One more slide of these one-liners, next one. If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the riches of heaven? Jesus says, you cannot serve both God and money. When asked about whether it was right to pay taxes, he says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. And then again, he says again in the Gospel of Luke to someone who asked about following him, he says, sell all your possessions, give to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. And these are not like non-radical things he's saying. These are actually quite radical, kind of jarring things. And he, when he said those things, the people were jarred. All right. But let's focus on a couple stories here. This is Luke chapter 11. And this is this, the context here is Jesus was invited for dinner at a Pharisee's house. Pharisees were like the religious elite. Most of them, not all of them, had significant spiritual pride issues. They were living in a religious fog. And they thought they were something. And again, I, what I tell people is, if you ever think about them, them Pharisees and those Pharisees, stop for a few moments at least and make sure you're, you can be like them. Because I know I can be. We all can be like the Pharisees. Because pride is not, uh, none of us are exempt from spiritual pride. And so he's eating at the Pharisee's house, and they're just appalled. One of them's appalled because Jesus didn't go through the ceremonial washing of his hands before eating the meal. Again, this religious practice. It wasn't, it wasn't like Jesus has dirty hands from being out in the mud, he's going to get germs. It was he didn't do this religious practice of washing your hands in a way to, to show purity before God. And this, and this Pharisee says to Jesus, you, you know, kind of, why didn't you do that? I mean, that's what religious people do. We do religious things. 
And Jesus actually got upset, and this is where the story picks up. The Lord said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy. Well, he's not winning friends here. He's in, he's in this person's house, all right? You're full of greed and wickedness. Again, these are people who thought of themselves highly religious people who thought of themselves as lovers of God. Fools. Didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by, read this phrase with me, giving gifts to the poor and you'll be clean all over. The Pharisees were really, really good at doing all the religious things, but there was a lack of compassion for people that had less, for poor, for those in need. And what's interesting in this, go, go to the next slide here, because that's, that's the first one. Same story, a few, few, uh, few verses later. He says this, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? And this is where if you have an older version of the Bible, it's like, woe to you. But it's the same idea. What sorrow awaits you Pharisees? For you are careful to tithe. Tithe is the, it comes from the word meaning literally 10%. And in the, the Jewish culture, in the Bible, Old Testament, and the New Testament, talks about that God asks us for our first 10%. All right? You're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. In other words, they would, any single thing they made, they would give one-tenth of. They knew they were doing exactly what God asked them, and they let people know that. Hey, I give a tenth of everything. Even, my, even when I have my little garden in the backyard and I get my little green beans out of it or my, my herbs and spices, I give a tenth. But you ignore justice and the love of God. Read this next phrase with me. You should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What's interesting in this passage is one of the Pharisees, I mean, it's, when you read some of these, you do have to be taken aback with the intensity of Jesus and a little bit of humor, not necessarily always of Jesus, but then one of the Pharisees a few verses later says, Jesus, you're insulting us. It's like, well, yeah, that's what he's doing. And I thought, are there times when you felt insulted by Jesus? Because maybe you've heard Jesus reminding you or telling you that maybe you're a little more greedy than you thought you were. Or maybe you're a little more religiously proud than you thought you were and somehow Jesus points out to you and your first reaction is oh, you're insulting me so it, when you read those it's, it's a little bit humorous but then if you were in the situation I'm sure if we were all sitting in that house this was going on I'm sure we'd be like man lighten up Jesus but he, he didn't and he never ceased to be kind he wasn't mean he wasn't being condemning or judgmental he was just pointing out the reality of the hearts of these in this case, these spiritual leader men, he was pointing out the reality of their hearts that was far from God, but they were doing all the right religious things. Money included. They were giving their 10%. All right, third one. This is a, the next chapter, and Jesus is talking to the disciples, and they're talking, a, a rich man had just asked them, about, you know, how do I get eternal life? Jesus, I obey all the commands. I do all this. And Jesus says, well, then go sell all you have and give to the poor. In other words, you can do all the right things, but if your heart's not coming out of the right place of compassion, then you're not really reflecting the heart of God in your life. And then he says uh, 
then the story goes on, it says, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that's why I tell you, read the next three words with me, not to worry. One more time, not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Now, go to this next slide. There are three things up here, three statements we've just read that I think all exist in a kind of a tension that we have to learn to live in in our hearts. At the same time, we're supposed to be people who give to the poor, who tithe, but also aren't supposed to worry. All right? Somebody help me pass these cards out. Why don't you pass to this side? Everybody's going to get a card that has this on it, and I'm going to tell you what you're going to do with it. Ah! I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with it this week after I don't make a mess here. Now, I want you to notice on here on the do not worry. Uh, you'll see it more clearly on the car. Jesus talked about not worrying about clothes or food. All right? I think there's more, the, there's more to that, obviously. Here's what we have on the far left. You can't see it up here. Well, if you have my eyes, you can't see it. If you have normal eyesight, you probably can see it. On the far left, there's an icon of a car with a wrench on it. Some of you right now, I'm absolutely sure, are anxious about car repairs or cars, right? Don't raise your hand. Some of you are anxious about that and you're worried about that. The next icon over is a graduating cap. So some of you are worried about your college expenses or if you're a parent, how you're going to pay for your kids' college expenses. That's a legitimate worry some of you have. The next one over is a house with a dollar sign. Some of you, whether it's your house, trying to figure out how to pay for your house, whether you can afford a house, whether you can pay for your apartment, whether you can afford an apartment, whether you can pay for your, pay for your dorm fees this semester. Some of you, if you lay up awake at night, that's the one thing that causes you worry, the very worry that Jesus is talking about, all right? The next one is a shopping cart, and it's simply... The cost of living, the cost of shopping, the cost of groceries, the cost of life. And if that's your role in your family to kind of keep dragging that, you understand the tension of, what, worry. I mean, I, I was just telling my wife lately, um, Pringles used to be often a dollar a thing. Now you have to get them on sale that way, and only if you buy 10 items at Kroger. You, but it's like you notice, I, I don't shop all the time, but I notice a lot that price, and you start realizing, wow, that's kind of... And it can cause you, I'm not, I don't get anxious about Pringles, don't get me wrong, but you get anxious about the cost of stuff. The next one over is just an icon that says job. No, go back, Ashton, job. Some of you are anxious about job and how job and your income or lack thereof or what kind of job you have and worry becomes a part of that. The next one over is a man or a woman, I don't know which, carrying a credit card on their back. And it's red because you may be in red in debt. And I don't doubt there's people here today that you're actually embarrassed by the amount of debt you have in your life. No shame in that per se, but staying there is not, should not be an option for you. But it's a reality and you don't even know how you got there and you don't like the fact that you're there. But your whole thought about money and being alive, awake, and free is hindered by that incredibly heavy anchor of debt. Consumer debt, credit card debt. And the next one over is for those of us like me who are over 50 and it just says retirement. It's a big Florida sun up there. And uh, there may be times where you think, I don't know how I'm going to 
be when I'm 65? Am I just going to do Social Security? Now, some of you who are like 20, that's like so far away in your thoughts. So, but for people like me, I actually, I actually, you know, I actually had an AARP application this week, American Association of Retired People, and I threw it away quickly. I don't know. If, I don't know if one of you sent it to me as a joke. I don't know. Maybe you get it when you turn 50. I don't know, but I didn't fill it out. But I do know they give discounts, so maybe I should fill it out sometime to get a discount. I don't know. Now, here's the reality. Jesus says that you should tithe. 10% of your income. That's what tithe means. That's a, that's a, con, that's a, that's a concept that started in the Old Testament, flows all over the New Testament, but the idea is that the first 10% belongs to God through the house of God, in this case, the church, in the Old, in the Old Testament case, the temple. And Jesus says you should tithe. Jesus doesn't, he doesn't negate the tithe. What he tells the Pharisees is, you should tithe, but don't neglect the other things too. Don't just do it out of religious practice. So that's one thing right there. Yes, God tells us we should tithe. That's not this church's decision. That's not somebody else's decision. Jesus said that's what we should do. Jesus acknowledged. We don't know this for a fact, but my guess is when Jesus was a carpenter in his early years, he tithed his income to the temple. Because Jesus was a very good Jew, not legalistic, but he understood that's what God expected. And in the Old Testament, the tithe was for the, in essence, the operating expenses of the temple. All right? But we're also told to give to the poor. Jesus, many times in the Gospel of Luke, and if you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, many times God is upset with the Jewish people because the poor are going uncared for. Those who have need are going uncared for. And the Bible actually says we're always going to have people. The poor will always be with us. That will never be a problem that goes away. And he gets on the Pharisees. He actually rails on the Pharisees. I mean, I mean if I'm a Pharisee, I'm thinking, well, I'm giving 10%. What, what gives? Lighten up. But Jesus, like, I don't, he's like, yes, do that. But you're not showing any compassion toward the poor. You're so careful about how you're being religious in your tithing that you have no space in your heart or your budget for someone who has need that comes unannounced or spontaneous and it doesn't fit into your system so you don't see a need to give. After all, they probably dug that hole for themselves anyway, right? And I'm responsible and they're not, so why should I help them? Now, you may not think that out loud at least, but if you're like me, there's times that jumps to your head. like, whoa, 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 I've earned mine. But Jesus, it seems like the person who's alive, awake, and free, according to Jesus, is in the habit of spontaneously and even systematically giving to the poor above your tithe, above your budget, kind of without, you know, Stretching your budget a little bit. And it seems like that, yes, you should tithe. But yes, you should also give to the poor. And by the way, don't worry about it. It's like, okay, how does that happen, Jesus? Because we're, he, he addresses worry as if he knows we will. Because my guess is in this room, not many of us, if any, 
would say you have this incredible buffer of money and you're set for the rest of your life all through retirement. You have no worries, no anxieties. Nothing could ever go wrong. As a matter of fact, somebody, Jesus tells a story in the gospel of Luke about somebody who believed that about their life. And Jesus basically said they're a fool. Oh, I got it all set. I'm good. I'm good. My life is going to be good. I can retire now. I can build bigger barns and put more of my stuff in. And Jesus says to that person, you're a fool because you're storing up your wealth here. Now, the problem with do not worry, because again, I think that's most of our issue, a lot of our issues. It's not like you can just stop worrying. This ages me a little bit, but Bob Newhart's show, he's a psychologist, and one of his methods of telling somebody to get over something was just saying, stop it. It's like, well, okay, if you tell me I'm anxious about money in my life, is my advice to you going to be, stop it? Okay, let's, it's like, okay, everybody close your eyes and let's stop worrying. One, two, three, uh, okay, I'm done. And, And it doesn't work that way, Right? Sometimes we think it's supposed to. Well, just when, when, people, when people say to me or say to other people, well, you just need to stop worrying about that. If I could stop worrying about it, I wouldn't be worrying about it. So it's not, it's, oh, it's not like, oh, I didn't know I shouldn't worry. It's, oh, I know I shouldn't. I just don't know how to stop worrying, right? It's not like, oh, thanks for telling me. I'll, I'll stop worrying now that you told me that. So telling somebody to stop worrying doesn't really help. So then here we go. Now go to the next slide. Here's with worry, with tithing, with giving to the poor. Here's the issue. And we've talked about the last few weeks. Jesus says you're more blessed if you hear and put, put read that last line with me. Put it into practice. One more time. Put it into practice. Okay, so how do we practice giving to the poor, tithing, and not worrying? Last week I gave you an exercise where I asked you to practice, give God space for forgiveness, because you're not going to become a forgiving person just by thinking, forgive. Uh, That's not going to happen. You're not going to become a worry-free, generous person, obedient to God's command about tithing, giving to the poor. You're not going to become that kind of person just by sitting here listening to a sermon and thinking, uh, no worry, right? So go to the next one. Here's what I'm going to do. This This is your assignment for the week, all right? Homework assignment for the week. And uh, everybody should have a pen under their chair or near their chair or around their chair. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to take a challenge that I'm going to call 10. All right, real creative title, 10. All right. (laughs) Here's the three things I want you to do. First of all, I want you, this is just for you. You're not turning this in. You're not handing it in. We're not going to calculate it. Somewhere under that card on you should tithe. I want you to write down. This is just, again, this is just for you. We're not always going to collect. I want you to write down what one-tenth of your income is. All right? And you might say, I want to have any college students, whatever. You, you have something you have expendable. All right? I want you to be honest with what one-tenth is. And I want you, and I want to tell you up front too, this fits really conveniently in your wallet. That's what I made them for. I want it to sit in your wallet like for months until it wears down. Because I want you to see these three things regularly. It also fits in your checkbook, by the way. I ch- checked that out too. Now, this is a little bit fatter than a dollar bill, so it stands above your bills, but that's okay. You'll see it. All right? So I, but I want you to, again, 
I want you to be honest with the number because I want you to be honest with yourself and with God. All right, this is not about manipulation or coercion. I've said before, if you're questioning whether the money is all about Exodus, there's a whole list of churches over there. I'll encourage you to send your tithe to them for a while if you think the money is about Exodus because it's not about Exodus. It's about you becoming alive, awake, and free in your spirit. And I want you to, I want you to see that number and I want you to see it and then you have then your, your issues with God on that. It's not with Exodus or any other church you've ever attended. It's not with any TV preacher that you don't like the way they talk about money. Your issue is between you and God on that. Write the number down, 10% of your income. People ask, gross income or net income? You figure that out for yourself. That's between you and God too. All right, write that down. And the only assignment there is just write it down and look at it occasionally and have some kind of honest conversation with God. If you don't like what God says about tithing, tell him that and, let him, and then hear what he tells you back. But be honest about that. That's, that's, that's assignment number one, all right? Assignment number two of the 10 assignment under give to the poor, I want you to, this week, pick some multiple of 10. I got to keep with the 10 theme, all right? Maybe it's just $10. Maybe it's $100 that you are going to give away this week to somebody who needs it more than you do. All right? Maybe it's $10. Some of you may think it's $100. Maybe it's $20. Maybe you give it to an organization like Crisis Pregnancy Center, Backstreet Mission, some other homeless shelter. Maybe it's some kind of ministry you know that there's a ministry called International Justice Mission that serves justice issues around the world with people in poverty and in slavery. But I want you to decide to give money above and beyond what your tithe would be. And I want you to decide on what, kind of, what amount God would have you to give. And then this week, ask God, what do I do with this money? So some multiple of 10. If you just want to start with $10, start with $10. All right. The third assignment of 10 is I want you to pick one or maybe two of those areas up on the do not worry. Things that you worry about. And if you want to now, just check it or circle the one or two that you would say, yeah, if I, if I worry about anything, I worry about this and this. All right? So if you worried about paying for your college education or paying for your kids, check that. If you got debt issues, if you're worried about retirement, your job, housing, whatever, car repair, then I want you to take sometime this week 10 minutes, 10-minute quiet car ride, 10-minute walk, 10-minute time in your home by yourself, maybe even 10 minutes talking to your spouse about it, where you're essentially putting it before God, your anxiety, offering God your anxiety. Even if 10 minutes is, you know, God, I don't know what to do. I don't care if you talk out loud to yourself. If people see you doing the sidewalk, they may think something's wrong, but that's okay. If you're in your car, just take 10 minutes where you're trying, you're processing, you're praying, you're conversing with God about that anxiety in your life. Because God knows it. You know, God knows if you're anxious about why, you know, my car were breaking down or God knows if you're anxious about paying for your apartment. God knows if you're anxious about paying for your college bill that's due two weeks from now or two months from now. God knows about your anxiety about retirement because you didn't, you haven't been saving now and now you don't know what's going to happen when you retire. God knows about those things. So take 10 minutes sometime this week to have a conversation with God, and if it's a conversation with your spouse where God is sitting there with you and he's part of it, that's okay too. But 10 minutes where you're honest about what you really are anxious about financially. Honest with God about it. Asking God to give you freedom 
from that anxiety. All right? So 10 minutes of that. Some multiple of 10 you're going to give away. And then I want you to write down a tenth of your income for your own honesty before you and before God. And then it's between you and God as to what you do with that. All right? But again, like I've said, if you're questioning the motive here, the motive here is because God. I believe that God wants all of us to be large-hearted, generous people. And if you think it's about Exodus, then pick up one of these green sheets on the side and mail it to another church for a couple months. I don't care. It's more about you learning to be the kind of person who can let go of your money. One, tithing is something that's an obedience issue. That is not an optional issue. It's an obedience issue. And it sounds legalistic at first, but it's actually a practice that God put in place in the human condition throughout the history of his people to allow us to be free. All right? Because all three of these things are related. You cannot become the kind of person who won't worry about money if you do not tithe or do not spontaneously above and beyond give to the poor. You can't. That's why I picked this drawing. I did not do this chalk drawing myself, by the way. I picked it off the internet, all right? That's why those three things are all together. You can't do one without the other. And if you're tithing, but you don't have any compassion toward the poor, you can't, then you're not honoring God either. I think, God would, I think God would rather you stop tithing and give money to the poor for a while than go back to tithing. But all three of those things, you can't, you can't do all of those in a live, awake, and free way. unless you, you can't do one unless you do all. You will not be the kind of person who doesn't worry if you're not willing to let go of spontaneous generosity to the poor while at the same time tithing. That will be your pathway to not struggling and worrying about financial stuff anymore. And you might think, well, the math doesn't add up. No, it doesn't. It doesn't add up. But it will add up if you trust God in that way. This is a trust Jesus issue. This is not a, you know, budget 101 issue. It's a trust Jesus issue. And, and I, there's stories after stories I've heard from many of you about how God has been faithful when you trusted him with the give to the poor and you should tithe issues. And now when you face financial stress, your worry is much less because you've seen God's faithfulness in the past. And you want to be that kind of person, you have to do all three well. So that's, my, that's the challenge this week, is to write down the number, pick a multiple of 10 to give away, and take 10 minutes to pray, discuss, ask God to give you... Uh, uh, of freedom in your own spirit in terms of money. All right. Last thing here. So we got, the, and I'll, I'll have these over on the side too. If somebody wants extras, like if you want one for your wallet and your checkbook and your mirror, whatever you know. Um, but I'm serious. I'm going to keep mine in my wallet for a while because I, I had I had it in there all this week, and I was pulling it out, and I was like, oh, this, this is kind of a good reminder. You can really see it when you have no bills in your wallet too, by the way, which that's me frequently. So, um, but it's just a good reminder of this is the kind of heart that I want to have. This is the kind of heart I think every single one of you wants to have. Fully alive, free to be generous when you want to be because you're doing the things the way God tells you to do it. All right, last, last slide before we go to communion. Um, this is from Ephesians. And Paul's just reminding us about God that God is so rich in kindness 
and he's great. And it's in kindness and grace that he purchases our freedom with the blood of his son and forgive our sins. The freedom he purchases is the freedom for us not to be slaves to the ways of the world. We're not slaves to the ways of the world in terms of forgiveness and revenge issues. We're not slaves to the ways of the world in terms of how we think about our security and money. And we do this because every Sunday we do communion because we want to be reminded that Jesus, his mission was our freedom. The mechanism for our freedom was him giving himself as our substitutionary death on the cross. And this was the method for our freedom so we could become the kind of people who are generous, alive, awake, and free financially. All right. Here's how we did it, Exodus. Um,